Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Fulton, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Speak to us, mighty one, for we are eager to listen. Bless us as we cry out to you for strength and vision. You have acted in times past to save your people. Save us now. You have sent prophets to change the world. Change us now. You have granted light in Jesus Christ. Shine on us now. Let us see your glory. Lift us to the mountaintop in this time of prayer. Stay close to us to melt away our doubts. And do not leave us, we pray, through Christ. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Let us stand for the call to worship. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted throughout the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us worship God.
The God revealed to us in the pages of Scripture is a welcoming and inclusive God who directs us to love one another. We seek to remove all the barriers that keep us from that love. So let us now confess all that separates us from each other and from God. When the gospel is veiled from us, mighty God, we feel alone. How easy it is to lose our direction and go the wrong way. At times we feel as if we're perishing under the demands of our day, unable to see clearly what is most important. We become enslaved to our routines and enticed by shallow distractions. We fill all our hours with doing so there is no time for reflection and prayer. Forgive us, O oh God, and restore balance to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. When we face ourselves and God with the awareness of our need, God gives us grace to grow and courage to continue the journey. Here's the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory be. Affirm our beliefs by repeating the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now together, let's greet each other in the fellowship of our Lord. <laughs>
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are glad that you are with us this morning. We are especially grateful if you happen to be a first-time visitor with us or at least a recent visitor. We're glad that you're here especially. We hope that you will find this to be a place where you can connect and know about the family of God and about the good work of God in this world. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along and hopefully you'll note those folks who are sitting near you and uh, continue a conversation after our service is over. We invite you to join us for a little warm cup of coffee underneath the tree. Us Floridians, we're spoiled, but uh, let's toughen up, get out there, enjoy a little coffee. <laughs> we are, are uh, glad to hear good news that our Honduras mission team has uh, made it safely down to Honduras and are beginning their work uh, today and tomorrow doing the important work of uh, construction uh, for an orphanage there in uh, El Progreso. So please keep them in your prayers throughout the course of this week. A new team will follow them next Saturday and be down there for the following week. So over, these course, over the course of these two weeks, we encourage you to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters as they seek to minister with and to our brothers and sisters there in Honduras. We have a bloodmobile out in the parking lot this, this morning. So if you are able, we would love for you to give a very precious gift of a pint of blood to those who will be urgently in need of that and very soon. So please take a moment and uh, give of your time in that way. Coming up this Wednesday, it's the beginning of Lent. It's hard to believe that. But uh, yes, Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday evening and we invite you to come and be with us in worship here at 6.30. Uh, in the sanctuary, uh, and before that, we would li love to have you come for a simple uh, meal, Lenten meal, over in the campus center. So join us for fellowship and for worship here on uh, Wednesday evening. This coming weekend, we have a new shape class uh, that will take place on Friday and Saturday. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment, but we would love for you to put that on your calendar, a way for you to get in touch with your own gifts, your own time and talent, and how you might use them over the course of uh, this next chapter of your life. Noah's flood is coming up, not the real thing, <laughs> but uh, this wonderful performance that we're looking forward to that is involving so many of you in uh, this great, uh, beautiful piece of music by Benjamin Britten. We invite you to come three o'clock, seven o'clock on March the 1st. Tickets available in uh, the office for $10, but uh, come and join us. It will, you will not be disappointed. It's gonna be a great afternoon and evening. Three o'clock, seven o'clock, two performances for Noah's Flood. And then Life's Difficult Questions, the class that I'm conducting this afternoon at 5.30, note the time change, not five, but 5.30, be here in the sanctuary. Come and join us as we try to tackle uh, some of the difficult questions of life. And today is Commitment Sunday here at Church of the Palms. Uh, this is the day that we have been preparing for uh, as a congregation to bring our commitments before uh, the good Lord, to give of our time and our talent and our treasure. We uh, have uh, a lot to be thankful for here at Church of the Palms, lots of great things that are happening. And we have important things to do in our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. We are glad that you are hearing in on that and we are especially grateful if you've been here with us 52 weeks of the year or if you're just here with us for two weeks or four weeks or 12 weeks or 26 weeks or whatever. We would love for you to participate with us in this effort to committing ourselves to this great mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. The great joy in life is not doing what we have to do but doing what we get to do and this is one of those opportunities 
issues here. At the end of our service, we'll be uh, coming around a second time with our offering plate. We have our offering earlier, and then later in the service after the sermon, there will be a time for you to give your commitments. The offering plate will pass by. And we invite you, if you've not yet brought a pledge card with you, that they are available in your church in the pew. So feel free to use one of those. Or if you still need time to think and pray, we want to encourage you to do that as well. But a big day for us, and we hope that you all will be participating. To that end, I'd like to invite Jason Morton to come forward. Jason is a member of our church and is here to tell us his story about all the good things that are happening in his life, his response to his own call with time and talent, and how you might be a part of that as well. So welcome, Jason. Good morning. Imagine it is nighttime and you're sleeping in your big, comfortable bed. Now imagine a stranger enters your bedroom without warning and shakes you awake. The stranger says you have to leave with him right away. He gives you a garbage bag or a pillowcase and tells you to collect, has you collect some personal belongings or clothes for the trip. He doesn't tell you where you're going and you don't get a chance to say goodbye to your family before you're whisked away. Now imagine this happens to you when you're only five years old. This scene I just described occurs thousands of times a day across the United States. Many of these children are never allowed to return to their home. They're placed in foster care and await placement with a new forever family. God has revealed my mission to me to help these children have a chance at life to help them find forever families. I spent my early childhood in Episcopal Church. Our family stopped attending church services when I was in first grade. I remember that Sunday that my father said, I'm not going to church anymore. And as a six-year-old boy, I said, well, if dad's not going, then I'm not going either. (laughs) I did not reconnect with the church until many years later. After our marriage in 2005, my wife and I decided to start a family. We explored all the ways we could bring a child into our home and decided to adopt a little boy from foster care. Many of you know our son, Tommy. We wanted him to be raised as a Christian, and after careful consideration and thoughtful prayer, we found the Church of the Palms. We've been members here for about three years. It wasn't long after becoming a member of Church of the Palms that I was introduced to SHAPE. SHAPE stands for Spiritual Gift, Heart, Abilities, Personality, and Experience. I signed up for the class because I wanted to become involved. I wanted to make a difference. I just didn't know how. I learned God had wired me to help foster children and prospective adoptive parents. I just didn't know the when or the how. Last year, I was asked to help with the Church of the Palms new member class. It was there that I met met Matthew Strabe and his wife, Diana. I learned Matthew was the president of the Heart Gallery of Sarasota. The Heart Gallery is an organization which helps to facilitate the adoption of foster children. They do this by placing professionally taken photographs of available foster children on their website, through social media, and in gallery displays. 
They do this in conjunction with the Safe Children's Coalition throughout Sarasota, Manatee, and DeSoto counties. After talking about our joint passion, Matthew asked me to join the Board of Directors. SHAPE was instrumental in helping me to determine how I was to use my talents, treasures, and time. So much so that I now serve on the SHAPE team as an instructor. It gives me great pleasure to see others make the same connection that I made. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others. In this way, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future, and so lay hold of what is truly life. The past couple of years have been truly wonderful. I've gained a new family at home with the addition of my son, and I've gained a new family here at Church of the Palms. I used to think his plan, his plan for me began when I met my son. I know now God was tapping my shoulder and illuminating my path all along the way. Thank you. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, like Peter and James and John, we thank you for the moments when we feel your holy presence. We celebrate the story of your love for us and for our opportunity to live our lives within that story. Hear our praise, our gratitude, and our joy to you, we pray. Merciful God, give your transforming and restoring grace to those struggling with illness, grief, loneliness, and mental challenge this day. Be with those who we love who are far away and within other churches we call home. Protect those who serve us near and far, especially those in the military, we pray. Safeguard missionaries and all our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in places of danger. Work your grace into the hearts of the world and leaders of this world and bring about conditions needed for peace, we pray. Now we bring all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God in the giving of our tithings and offerings.
Let us pray. Lord, we bring these gifts for your glory and honor. Accept these and make, may these gifts be instruments of making more disciples for the service of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated while our children and Lori come forward. Thanks, Pastor Mingy. Good morning. Hey, did you have a birthday recently? You did? When was it? You're five. Awesome. Good morning. Hello. Hey, sweetie. So I brought something with today to show you that goes really, really well with our lesson, and it has never been in my house before last night. And I grew up in a church, I raised my daughters in a church, and this thing goes perfectly with our lesson today, but I've never had it before. You ready? Can you tell what it is? It's not just a car, it's more than a car. Do you know? It is a transformer! It goes from a car into some sort of <coughs> robot thing like this. I don't even know if they're good or bad, so I'm telling you, all girls, I don't even really know, but I've been practicing now, and so it transforms back into the car. So how does this go with our lesson? So I'm reading my Bible, and at the very top of that chapter, chapter 17, it says, transfiguration. Didn't say transformer, but it did say transfiguration, and I looked it up in the dictionary, and it said to change its shape or appearance, and I thought, Hmm, this might be just what we need to think of when we think of transfiguration. So let me tell you what's going on. Jesus takes three of his best disciples, his closest guys, I think it's Peter, James, and John, and they hike up to the top of this mountain, and they get to the top, and something amazing happens. Jesus' face turns like the sun, and his clothes start to dazzle all white. Not only that, these guys, like the greatest prophets from the Old Testament, are on his left, Moses, and on his right, Elijah. The disciples are looking at these guys, and they're like, oh, they are filled with joy. And they're like, this is so cool. We need to stay here all the time. We can build houses here because we are in the presence of God. This is awesome. But then, all of a sudden, there was this great big white cloud, and the voice of God came from the cloud. This is my son, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It sounds a lot like the baptism of Jesus. Do you remember when the skies opened up right after Jesus was baptized and that voice of God and the dove came down and the voice of God said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. But there was another phrase this time. Did you hear it? It said, listen to him. This is perfect because we're just about ready to get into Lent. So Ash Wednesday, you all should be right here on Ash Wednesday. And there will be a children's moment for you because that's when we're going to start the journey to Lent. Lent is all about listening to Jesus so that we can transform our lives to look more like Jesus. And it may be as hard as one of these guys, but we can transform our lives if we turn our face towards Jesus and listen to him. So when you see this transformer, think, transform my life to look like Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts 
and for the abundant love that you give to each one of us. Speak in a way that we can each hear so that our hearts are transformed, our minds are transformed, our actions are transformed, and our very lives are transformed to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, we will be receiving our commitments following the sermon, and the ushers will come forward. 
And as they do, we will also be led in singing. The choir will be leading us in an anthem. We invite you to remain seated. And uh, in, as a part of the anthem, you'll be invited to sing. Genevieve will give you the cue and you'll join us in that part as it's listed in the bulletin. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from both the Old and New Testaments, the first from the book of first, 19th chapter of 1 Kings, beginning midway through verse 9 and through verse 13. Hear the word of God. Then the word of God came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Our second lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 16th and 17th chapters, beginning at verse 21 of chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great sufferings at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, that you should do this. But he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind on divine, not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if you, any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. 
Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. <clears throat> By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to simply point to this word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher of 160 years ago, wrote this sentence. If I could prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Over 160 years ago, he wrote those words without even the noise of the telephone, the television, the radio, the YouTube, the iTunes, the podcast, the MP3, the on-demand video, the car horn, the TV talking heads, the great thinker, looked out upon the mid-19th century and said, if I could prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. I have a hunch that most of us would offer to Kierkegaard's statement a nod of quiet assent. We live in a noisy world. And it seems to get noisier and noisier. And it's not just the noise that happens around us, it's the noise that happens because of us. We are, whether we like it or not, noise makers. Because we are the ones who turn on the TVs and radios and smartphones and podcasts and YouTubes, it means that we are responsible, aren't we, for the noise. We have announcements before shows and events that say, please, please remember to turn off your noise makers. We even now have earbuds, that tiny little headphones, so that we don't have to listen to anybody else's noise except our own, our own noise. And yet, strangely, at the same time, I think we know deep down that the moments of greatest gravity happen often with the sound turned off. Without the benefit of soundtrack or talking heads or blah, 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 it is in this quiet it is in the quiet that the sacred appears and all that really matters drowns out all that really doesn't matter. A mother holding her newborn baby, a walk in a quiet wood, lovers holding hands and staring wordlessly, a proud and speechless father watching his child perform with tears streaming down his cheeks an empty cathedral with spectrums of light shining through stained glass windows, a silent prayer on behalf of a friend in danger, an old man sitting beside the hospice bed of his one and only love. No noise, just silence. A couple weeks ago, I went to a hockey game the Tampa Bay Lightning, professional hockey team up in Tampa. Now, when you go to a professional sports event, what you soon discover is there is no such thing as silence. 
Every moment is filled with sound. Now, now, never is there a moment that the powers that be will dare to leave you alone with your thoughts. As soon as the play stops, onto the amplifiers come obnoxious noise and some unnecessary announcement, some pounding beat to make it impossible to sit quietly or to talk with your friend. Every moment filled with sound. In between periods, the same thing. Music blaring every second. At one point, though, between two of the periods, there came the announcement of one of these corny kinds of distracting games that they play on the ice with people that they've chosen from the crowd. Some sort of silly competition to distract us even further. And in this instance, they brought onto the ice a brother and sister, the brother around 14, the sister around 12, and, and the competition was to see who could shoot the most pucks into the net from center ice. One shooting toward one net, the other shooting to the other net at the same time. So they lined the brother and sister up, facing away from each other with sticks in hand and pucks before them, and on the count of three, the announcer blared, you start. The crowd is now cheering. Ready? One, two, and then he said, stop. And all of a sudden, silence. Turn around. And they turned around. And in the pregnant pause, what they could see 40 feet away was their Air Force father home from Afghanistan. And the girl stares in wonder. And she starts to run. And the ice makes the run much slower than she can stand. And she slips and she slides and she buries her sobbing face into her father's chest. And she holds on for dear life. And the boy right behind her holds on for dear life, all without benefit of sound. Let all mortal flesh keep silent. And we know that that is our best chance for the sacred to appear, our best chance to see what really matters and to hear perhaps even the word of God, the unfiltered word of God, the undistracted word of God, the particular word of God meant perhaps particularly for you and for me in the silence God has our attention to say perhaps something meant only for us. So it was for the prophet Elijah. Elijah is afraid. He's on the run away from the wicked queen Jezebel who's trying to root out from Israel the prophets. And Elijah goes and he hides himself in the cave because he doesn't know what else to do. And God beckons him from the cave and tells Elijah that he shall soon pass before him. And so what follows is the sound and fury of a great wind cracking rocks and splitting cliffs. But the writer says the Lord was not in the wind. And then following that comes the sound and shake of an earthquake. But the writer says, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. And then after the fire, he says, there comes sheer silence. Sheer silence. And it's in the sheer silence that Elijah hears a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Was it the question he most needed to hear? And was it the silence that allowed him to hear it? The moments of greatest gravity come with the sound turned off. 
So in our readings this morning from Matthew 16 and 17, we find Jesus at a very important moment in his history. He's preparing to make his journey to Jerusalem and to confront face to face the religious leaders of the day and to accomplish his mission of sacrifice. But before setting his face toward Jerusalem, he sets his face toward his disciples and in a quiet moment asks a simple but perhaps necessary question, maybe the question they most needed to hear, who do you say that I am, he asks. Now, we don't know how long it took for any of them to come up with an answer, maybe a moment or maybe a pregnant pause, but finally it's Simon who speaks up and out of the silence gives his answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Ten words, ten simple words that were enough to change a life and perhaps even to change a world. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It is as much as Peter needed to say. And so with this wonderful confession, Jesus begins to teach his disciples what it means to be Messiah. And what it means to be Messiah is to take a certain course, to travel a certain path, and the direction that Jesus sets himself for is the journey to the cross. To be Messiah is to go to the cross, to go to Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of the leaders, and die on a cross. Now, not liking what he is hearing from the one he's just called Messiah, Peter feels it's his duty to keep talking. Fill the silence. Interrupt the program. Excuse me, I, I don't think you know what you're doing. You need a little help here, Messiah. I think you need a little my noise. I think you need the benefit of my direction because, you see, that's not what Messiahs do. And Jesus says, hush. Hush. You're interrupting Messiah is on his way to Jerusalem. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. What's happening is far too sacred for you to add commentary. Be still and know that I am God. So six days later, Jesus invites Peter and James and John up to a mountain and there, Something very mysterious takes place as we just learned. Jesus is transfigured and appears before these three disciples along with the two great prophets of Israel, Moses and Elijah. The three great prophets are now in a conversation. Now what do you do when three great prophets are in conversation? You might wanna listen. You, you might wanna keep silence. You might want to take in the moment. Oh no, no, not our friend. Excuse me, excuse me, Peter says. I, I got this great idea. Let, let's build each of you a little house. Let's put down stakes. Let's settle here with the view. Let's put that map quest map to the cross. Let's get that out of the way and let's just stay up here in the glory. And what Peter doesn't know is that he's interrupting. He's filling the moment with his own speech. He's interrupting the voice of the holy. While he was still speaking, Matthew tells us, while he was still trying to interrupt, the voice of the Father from above says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Hush. Did you feel the awkwardness of that silence? 10 seconds of silence 
10 seconds of space I did not fill. For some of you, it woke you up. <laughs> For some of you, it made you wonder. For some of you, it made you very worried that I just lost my place. But if anything, silence makes us pay attention. And at the very least to wonder, without silence, maybe there is no wonder. Don't you wonder if one of the reasons why we have such trouble with silence is that somewhere in the silence there may be a question meant for us, a question that perhaps we don't want to hear. Don't you wonder that the reason why Peter is so quick to fill the silence beyond Jesus' words, the reason why Peter is so eager to put in his two cents is that to leave the silence as it is is to wonder what will I have to do with what Jesus has just said? What will I do with these words? Will I take them at face value? It's so hard for us to learn that. So when Jesus later tells Peter that on the eve of his death, Peter will deny him three times, Peter just can't leave that alone. He can't confront that possibility. He can't allow that truth to sink into him. I will never deny you. Hush. Be still and know that I am God. For in the stillness comes the space to see and hear and behold the words we may not want to behold. What will Jesus ask us in the silence? If you want, he says, to become my follower, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you must surrender it. For what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Isn't it strange how eager we are to put up defense to those words, some diversion from those questions? Strange, of course, because aren't we the ones who believe that the Messiah has come, that we might have life and have it abundantly? Remember that prodigal son who limps his way home and sees the father running to him, but oh no, that boy has already prepared the speech. He's been practicing his speech. He's got words to speak into the silence of his father's galloping approach and smothering embrace. Oh, oh no, no the boy says, let me explain, let me explain, let me tell you how it really is, Father. Let me give you all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, running and embracing. Let me add a soundtrack to this. And the Father says, hush, hush. Don't you wonder if with all the sound and the chatter and the static and the earbud music and all the silly competitions and the compulsion to go our own way, if what we've done with all that distraction is to keep ourselves from the one who wants to embrace us. Not unlike the drowning man who kicks and flails against the one trying to rescue him, the one who wants to save our lives. So maybe with these pledge cards that we are about to offer and dedicate, there is in them a little bit of surrender, a, a little bit of letting go, a moment's pause to let God hold on to us. And that's good, that's good. But dare we let that pause continue 
dare we let resist the temptation to simply just drop our card and make our way to brunch and continue the chatter? Dare we not wonder, not to let there be some silence today, some moment in which we wonder what is Christ seeking to speak to us about what we've just done and what there is still left to do to allow the space for him to appear with arms outstretched and to lead us. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, that we would follow, take up our cross and quietly follow, that in the face of all the ills of the modern world, we might prescribe, if only for ourselves, a little silence. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for thy servants are listening. Help us to wonder at what you are saying and guide these our first steps toward you, our quiet surrender to your loving embrace. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers will now come forward to receive our commitments.
As the ushers come forward for the prayer of dedication, I invite you all to stand. Let us pray. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am so weak, but you are mighty in strength. Guide us with your everlasting hand. We thank you, O Lord, that we have taken this step, a step closer to you to find from you your loving embrace. And we pray, O Lord, that these commitments we make this day will be toward your greater glory and through our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. O Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that these would just simply be the beginning of our effort to be the instruments of your light and grace in a world yearning to know that there is a God of love. So Lord, bless us and bless these commitments and bless our lives that through all of what we do and say, that there may be peace, there may be grace, there may be mercy in all the land. For this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.